Good morning. This this morning we're going to read in Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gisenaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O Lord, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Father, this morning, uh, your word declares to us that you have made us fishers of men, just like your disciples. And Lord, as we, before we get into this portion of scripture, I, I was just prompted to take a minute this morning during this prayer and obey your word where it says to make our definite requests known to you. Corporately, And Lord, I would just like for each one of us now to think of people in our lives, family, friends, that we've been praying for that don't know you. And I would just ask that uh, either out loud or in your, in your heart, uh, that we could take just a moment here and Call out their names, asking you, Lord, to draw them right now. Lord, we just thank you that you hear our prayers that you've promised to hear them and that your desire is to to draw them into your kingdom. And Lord, as we listen to your word this morning, I pray a special anointing on Jackie, that you would anoint our ears, and most importantly, that you would give us opportunity this week to testify of your goodness, to proclaim your word, and to be fishers of men. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue our journey through the book of Luke, I think we remind ourselves of the mission of Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we get confused about it, you know, because... Well, applications is important, and when we come to the Word, a lot of times that's where we want to start. We want to make quick application of what we look at, but maybe we miss some things when we do that. Maybe we miss what's going on. You know, when Jesus came, in a sense, He's coming to found a church and to save souls and to bring people who are lost into salvation. That's all true, but in a in a little tighter context what he's doing is choosing 12 men 
what he's doing is training them for three years. He's going to tell those same 12 men, you're going to do greater things than I've done. Because when Jesus had 5,000 men that he saved, or that he fed, they all went away angry. But when Peter preaches the first sermon, 3,000 souls will be added. When he preaches the second one, 5,000 more. Something's different. What's different, what's happened is, Jesus has opened the way. When Jesus came, he was constantly talking about the kingdom of God, right? He would tell them, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. You can reach out and touch it. Because the kingdom of God is standing right in front of them. His name's Jesus. There's only one way into the kingdom. And that's through him. And the one thing that he said that really resonates with me and and resonates especially this morning is he said, come, follow me. Specifically, he was saying it to 12 guys. And we know there's more than the 12. We we have numbers up to 120, depending on, on who does the math, maybe a little bit more than that, of people who were disciples of Christ that were following him wherever he went. When they're gathered in the upper room after Jesus ascended and went into the heaven, says more than 120 were gathered in that place in one accord in prayer, praying the Holy Spirit came upon them and anointed them for ministry and everything radically changed. Prior to that time, they were a bunch of knuckleheads. Well, the reality is there are still knuckleheads after that, but they were knuckleheads full of the power of God. The message of God that says, Man, I love you so much, I, I crossed infinity. Can't even begin to fathom that. I put on flesh. I was hated and rejected. And died. So I could open the door. So I could make a way for you. And he says, come follow me. So this idea, this concept that we look at this morning as he's calling the disciples, it's important for us to understand. It's important for us to see this calling of the twelve. Now, any, and when we come to the calling of the twelve, a lot of people get confused. So I'm either going to really confuse you this morning, or hopefully make it a little bit better. We all get confused about the calling of the twelve, and here's why. Because we think everyone, every section we read is the same one. We think when John talks about the calling, it's the same as Luke. We think when Luke talks about the calling, it's the same as Matthew. I don't know if that's true. I know that if we look at a timeline of the, of the ministry of Christ, he comes, he's baptized by John the Baptist, he goes into the wilderness and is tempted for 40 days, he comes out of the wilderness, John looks at one of his disciples, a guy named Andrew, you remember him? Has a famous brother. What's that brother's name? Yeah, Peter, the big crazy one, right? And John says, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. He tells Andrew, that's the guy you need to be following. John says, Andrew went and told Peter, Come and see the Messiah. When we go to Matthew, Matthew says Jesus is walking and he sees the guys by the boats and he, as he's passing by, he looks at him and says, hey, come follow me. And when you get to Luke, you got Jesus coming to the, to the same boats and a big crowd. No big crowd in Matthew, big crowd in Luke and a big crowd's there and Jesus gets into Peter's boat and sometimes we look at it and we're like, man, there's just a lot of weird stuff. Why does Jesus just think he can get in Peter's boat? Because they knew each other. Because they knew each other from back at the baptism. The scripture would tell us in John that they went together to Jerusalem and celebrated a Passover together. Then they came back to the Galilee. Peter and the guys, they went back to fishing. Is that shocking to you? If you read John chapter 21, what do we know about Peter and the guys when Jesus is, is dead and buried? And he's risen again. What do they all decide to go do? Well, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go fishing. So when we look at the calling of the disciples, I don't think it's necessary to harmonize and make each one the same event. The disciples could follow for a time and go back. 
and follow for a time. There's something different about Luke, though. There's something significant that is said in Luke. In Luke, it says, they followed him and did what? They forsook all. So I think Luke is, is the end. I think, I think uh, John, the beginning, they're introduced to Christ. I think Matthew is their calling. When Jesus says, hey, why don't you guys come follow me? It's like an invitation. Hey, come, be a part. And, and I think they follow him. For a, for a little while there. And then I think in Luke 5, whether that's a day later, two days later, I don't know. When Luke 5 happens, then I think everything changes. Now, focus is going to be three years we're going to be with Christ. We're going to walk and go with Him. Sometimes when we come to the Gospels, we want to be careful to harmonize, you know. And sometimes we need to be careful to say, is it different or not? Do I need to harmonize it? Can it be, you guys ever experienced a call of God more than once in your life? You guys ever felt God draw you or call you or even as Phil was praying, put people on your heart to reach out to and, and maybe you've done it, maybe you haven't. That ever happened to you? Aren't you thankful he don't just do it once? That he'll do it again? If you need a little more coaxing, maybe he'll... Help you catch a bunch of fish one day to help you. So you know what's going on. So we want to, as we come to this, we want to recognize the reality of what Jesus is doing, okay? Jesus is coming and he's bringing it together. And as they, the one thing that's cool is that, is that the John's account and, and uh, Luke, well actually all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them are centered around fishing. And all of them, Jesus uses something like, I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? So keep in mind what Jesus is telling the disciples. I'm going to teach you how to do what? Fish for men. Now I'm going to tell you that when the training's over, the first crop they bring in is Pentecost. Everything else is training. Learning. Growing. Going out two by two. Learning. Understanding. Overcoming our fear, walking in faith. Isn't that important in all of our walks? Don't we, don't we see that as our reality? And so I just, I just want you, I hope you'll be able to see the, the beauty of what Christ is doing as he calls them, as he convinces them. And then in John 21, when they all go back to fishing, he convicts them. All around fishing, all using what the, what the men he's reaching out to were into, and all being a part of what God's going to use to bring forth an incredible harvest. And that harvest still goes on today. The work of those 12, look how big it is now. How many people are gathered today around the world? Because of 12, <laughs> 12 guys. Okay, 120 guys. Look at what God has done. Because men and women around the world did what? answered the call, responded to the Lord, and God brought forth a great harvest. Well, let's look verse 1. It says, Luke 5, 1, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake. <clears throat> but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him, put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now I'm going to say that Jesus is there for Peter. But he's not going to miss an opportunity to teach the word to the people who are following him. Big crowd. A big crowd. He's pressed. It's hard to get any space to talk to him. And if you get a chance to come with us to the Holy Land, I think we're trying another trip in 2019. If you get a chance to come with us, one of the things you'll see is that the Sea of Galilee, oftentimes the land slopes up. So if you were to push out a boat a little ways off the shore and speak, it'd make it easier for the people to hear you. It's pretty cool. And you see the people huddled around there, and Jesus, I think Jesus knows Simon. I think they met each other in John chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, as he's being baptized, and down at the river, and so <laughs> they've already been acquainted. So he gets into Simon's boat. He's like, wow, cool, Jesus is back in town. And he comes over and says, push out a little bit. So 
he pushes out a little bit and Jesus teaches. And I think he's stoked about it, man. Because I think every time the Word of God teaches the Word of God, everybody's stoked. Everybody goes, man, this is amazing. I've never heard things like this before. I've never heard the Word brought like this with such authority, with such power. Why? Because it's the Word of God teaching you the Word of God. There's nothing else like it. And so people are excited. The Word of God is being shared. But then, in verse 4, he's going to turn to Peter. He finishes what he says. Whatever the teaching was there, we're not told. It could have been any, any part of the Sermon on the Mount. Most scholars and theologians think most of the teachings that we read about in the Gospels were taught multiple times. Not just once here and there. In fact, John says if everything Jesus ever did was written down, there's not enough space in the book. So we're just telling you the things, we're just focused in on the things we want to, we want to share with you. Most people believe these things were taught often. These were often the things that Jesus would share and that Jesus would talk about. Whatever it was, we're not told. He looks over at Peter in verse 4. It says, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. The Bible says, well, I don't know the Bible says this. Jackie says this from the Bible. God's not a debtor to no man. So, Peter gave of his time, Peter gave of his boat, and God's going to give something back. Now, Peter don't know that. Sometimes we don't know that. We don't know what God's doing. And we can get, that's a good word, crotchety. We can get crotchety and cranky and bitter and just downright ugly when things just aren't happening. The way we think they ought to happen, how we think they ought to happen, in order that they ought to happen. Don't we? And we get mad at God, and maybe we shake a fist or two at Him, and we think, where were you in this? And all the while, Jesus is sitting right next to Peter saying, let's go out. Let's go out to the deep. And I'm going to tell you right now, Peter's tired. He already been fishing all night and ain't caught nothing. You want to find a grumpy fisherman? Let him go fishing all night and catch nothing. Do you want to find a grumpy hunter? Let him go hunting. Up and down them stupid mountains, all over the state of Idaho, and get nothing. How many times, you ask Robin how many times I've offered to sell my bow to him when we're leaving the mountains. I, we were leaving and I'll say, my bow is for sale right now. <laughs> Cheap. Cheap, you can get it for a steal. I'll sell my pack too, right now. Everything I'm wearing is for sale. Because <laughs> when we have a fruitless trip to whatever we're doing we we just get a little ornery so i'm thinking peter's just like the rest of us right well most of the stuff i read about peter peter just pretty much said what came off the top of his head right you know chopping off guys ears and stuff like that so peter peter is going to do it you know it's jesus after all and he's teaching and he's talking about being holy and so he doesn't want to let his ugliness come out So this is what Peter says. Listen, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. So, a Jackie paraphrase would be, this is a giant waste of time. Uh, We we already been out there. Ain't no fish. There's no fish out there. We didn't take anything. And then he says, but at your word. Let's go. But at your word. Man, there's just so many things that we want to be able to, to understand, to hold from. Here's one of them. God wants your availability, not necessarily your ability. We have a tendency to rely on our abilities. God really doesn't care about your abilities. I know, I know. we got lots of tests and psychological exams that say where your gifts are and where your, your talents lie and all that stuff. And maybe all that stuff has its place. But God trumps all, just so you know. God trumps it all, and he wants to know, are you available? Are you available? God is calling, are you available? And when he says it, our understanding is not crucial. You don't have to understand what God's doing. Lord, we're just out there. This is not going to work. This is a giant waste of time. I don't know how long ago, because I'm old and I lose track of time. 
But I went out twice to other countries to do Jesus film. And I watched them, and I did the training. And what you do with Jesus film team, is, which is the guys I'm going with in March, what the Jesus film team does, they go in, they take all the equipment, they give it to a group of, of men that are trying to found a church in a rural area. In this case, it'll be Nigeria. We train them how to use it. We show them how to set it up. We go with them on several showings, show them how to do it, go through all the steps, and then we have them do it. And we're there with them while they do it a couple times, and then we go to the next guy. But we're going to be doing that five times while we're in Nigeria. And the first time I went, I said, this is dumb. Nobody's going to get saved this way watching a movie. That's not how God's going to do it. So in March, I'm going to a three-story church in Abuja that was totally built from Jesus' film. Period. And I'll be training hundreds of pastors, all who got saved, from Jesus' film. Because my understanding of what God's doing is not crucial. You know, sometimes He does it despite us. Because we think we're so smart. Oh no, it's true. How long ago, Rick, how long ago was it when we had uh, Harvest Crusade on uh, five years? So five years ago, we're going to do Harvest Crusade. How many of you guys came? Did any, did any of you guys come? We had Harvest Crusade live on the, on the video. What, I don't know. What do they call that? Okay, just one person at a time. <laughs> I got live stream, telecast, simulcast. I'm not sure which one I like better. So anyways, but you guys get the idea, right? So that's going to be up. Now, I happen to know that there was a person who shall go unnamed, who said, this is dumb. It's a giant waste of time. Nobody's going to get saved from this. Well, Rick and Kristen did. That night. And their family. And who knows how many people since, because Rick just won't be quiet. He just keeps (laughs) telling everybody. Kristen too. But Rick's got a cooler beard. That's what I was going with. (laughs) I'm sorry. Maybe I don't mean that as it sounded. We take that off the tape. But the point, the point is, do you guys know that sometimes God does stuff that uh, maybe you don't approve of? Maybe you think this is a giant waste of time, but maybe God doesn't. And how in the world are we able to tell? Do we really think that we, as an individual... I'm so smart. I'm smarter than God. And I can tell you that God cannot possibly use this because if he was to use this, it's going to violate all these principles. I'd just like to tell you how many times that person is wrong. A lot. Right here, Peter is a fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. Which one knows more about fish? Peter should. But the fellow next to him is God. He trumps. Our understanding is not crucial. It's not crucial, guys. And if we, if we really take careful consideration of how many times our understanding is off kilter with what God's doing. And, we, and then sometimes we do it even with a bad attitude and whoop, God still uses it anyway. God still saves. God still moves. God still calls. People still get saved. Because the Word of God says this, God has chosen to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And you can find out whether or not you actually want to be a tool in the Master's hand when somebody treats you like a fool and we see how you respond. Because most people go, oh yeah, I don't mind being a fool for God. Until somebody says, you are a fool. And then... Don't you call me a fool. I'm not a fool. This is smart. Oh, no. Come on. Let God do his thing. Let God do his thing. Our understanding is is not crucial. But the other part of that is our experience is not reliable. Peter's like, I've been here already. There ain't no fish. We're wasting our time. I'd like to go to bed. Well, I'll be here. I'll come. 
I've been baptized in lemon juice. I'm ready to, to for whatever you have. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But listen, here's the only thing we really need to take away from, and that is this. Our obedience is essential. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, at your word. I'm yours. Yeah, you see, when we give our lives to Christ, that's how it's supposed to sound, right? Where you go, I go. Who you love, I love. Wherever you send me. Man, I I want to be yours. Completely, totally, utterly. So, this understanding of obedience. So, at your word, we'll let down the nets. I can just hear, you know, maybe it's just the way I read. But I'm just telling you, Peter is not stoked about this fishing trip. He's going under, under duress. It's Jesus asking him. I mean, you can't tell Jesus no. Well, I heard when he was baptized, heavens opened up and God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We should probably listen to him. God's going to have to tell Peter that at least one more time, isn't he? Hey, Peter, Peter, shh. Listen to him. So Peter goes. And it goes on. Scripture goes on in verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. Now at that moment, all Peter's attitude washed away, and he's beginning to think, there's more to this than what I thought. You guys know God is able, right? God is able. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. you believe that? Now unto him who is able to do far abundantly more. That's a lot more than what we think, right? The scripture is letting us know, man, he is able. He is able to do all these things. All those names that were, that were in your mind. All those names that I was saying during our prayer when, as Phil was leading us in prayer. All those names. He's able to save everyone. <coughs> He's our God mighty to save. He's able. He's able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. He's able to go past it all. He's able to use things. You think God can't use that. When I was growing up and I bring home a, a band, I think the band was called, uh, don't know, Bar- Barnabas, Barabbas, I don't remember. It makes a difference because those are two drastically different characters. Anyway, and it could have been either one because back in those days it really could have been either one. So I bring home these, this music. My dad would tell me, that's not music. That's not music. And I'd bring it home and my dad would say, that's not music. And I'd say, well, I'll, I can go back to Black Sabbath if you want, Dad. He say, God can't use that. Too much beat, too much stomping feet, too much drums. It's just dumb. I went and saw a Striper concert. You guys ever heard of them? Some of the old people like me are going to, but the young people, they were lame, just so you know. And according to you, they're lame. When I was a kid, it was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm in, I'm in Redlands Calvary Chapel, standing on the back of a pew, with my arms raised, jumping up and down, hooting and hollering as this, Rock and roll band is up on the stage, just electric guitars busting windows. I mean, it was crazy. And, the, yeah, crazy hair. Like, even crazier than mine. And all of a sudden, they start throwing Bibles in the crowd. Kathy was with me, and she's looking at me like, is that okay? I don't know if that's okay, but they're doing it. <laughs> and people would say, God can't use that. God can't use that. You know God's bigger than all our weirdness? There were people once upon a time looked at a bunch of hippies said, God can't use them. One of them, 19-year-old boy, walking around barefoot, drawing cartoons all the time. All he wanted to do was draw cartoons. You couldn't get that guy to do not one thing in class. Not one thing. He was, he was going to be a cartoonist. He ran into this crazy hippie preacher named Chuck Smith. And Chuck Smith kind of took him under his, his arms and, 
and started spending time with him and teaching him. And one day this 19-year-old kid come to him and said, I think I want to start a church. Oh, you can't do that. 19-year-old kid cannot start a church. This is just dumb. Well, you know what Chuck did? He wrote a 19-year-old kid a $190,000 check to start a church. You know who the guy is? Greg Laurie. What? What? You're kidding me. No. Because, look, God's not stuck in our mental knuckleheadedness. God will use it all. Use it all. Anybody who will surrender, be obedient, follow him, God will use them. God will use them. It's crazy. Some of the stuff I've seen, there's a, a guy, um, um, Raul Reese's son, Ryan. Ryan, I rode, I got to ride with him bikes in California, Ryan Reese. And Ryan Reese was uh, a bit of a prodigal son for Raul Reese. Well, now he does something called um, whosoever's. Full of the craziest looking, nutty, these guys can't be saved. They got tattoos, pins sticking out of their face everywhere. They listen to music that sounds like this. I have no idea what they're saying. I'm like, yeah, the skateboards are going across the stage, lights. And then people say, oh, man, this is not, this, they, they have lost it. Man, all I know is I watched the video on them, you know, and I don't know. I'm not saying they're perfect, okay? I'm just saying I watch crazy, hardcore, lost people that nobody knows where they're at and nobody knows what's going on in their life and nobody really cares about them. And I watch them standing in this crowd weeping and crying as the Holy Spirit's touching them with the love of Christ because God uses stuff outside of what we think. I got prejudices too, just like anybody. We all got them, but we need to be aware of them. I don't want to be like Peter saying, that ah, it's a waste of time. Boof, all of a sudden I'm bringing in all these fish. And now so many fish, the nets are breaking. So you call a couple more boats over. Hey, James, John, Zebedee boys, come here. And they come over and now their boats are sinking. The boats are sinking. The nets are breaking. That's what God wants to do. That's what God is able to do because you're willing to be obedient to what He asks you to do. That's it. You're willing to be obedient. It's all it takes. It don't take you. don't have to have a seminary degree, super education. It's not a bad thing to have, but you don't got to have it. You have to have an obedient heart. Where you go, I'll go. George has an obedient heart. He, among other guys, go to <coughs> the jail Saturdays. If he don't go, then the word don't go in there that day. Somebody don't hear about Jesus Christ. Maybe a life don't change. But he's obedient. He goes. What happens? Lives change. Not just him. I, I know... Logan goes, I know other guys go, Jason goes, I know th- there's been a group of people. It takes more than one guy to make it happen, and what's happening? Obedient guys showing up. Obedient guys showing up. We go out on a ride somewhere, to motorcycles, we stop, and a, another uh, group of motorcycle enthusiasts will pull up with different colored vests. And uh, we, we, what's the matter? <laughs> we... And Logan, every time it happens, Logan will say, let's go pray for him. Oh, that's not going to do nothing. They need to peel them vests off and stop robbing people and speeding and driving loud motorcycles. Or maybe we just be obedient to what God tells us to do. Because God's able, guys, able we either, it's either true, we got to hold on to it, we got to believe it, God is able. They filled their boats and they both began to sink. Look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Boom. 
See, that's what happens when God moves in those places. When somebody gets saved in jail, when, when some, you get an opportunity to witness out on a motorcycle ride, you get a, 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 an opportunity at Jesus film to watch hundreds and hundreds of people come forward and start a church in the middle of nowhere in Africa. And you see all that and you begin to realize, man... The only thing it will make you do is get on your knees and say, depart from me, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be a part of this. He is. But we're not. We're broke. He uses us because he loves us and he wants us to get to see his power moving and working. And when we're not obedient and when we're not willing, we're the ones getting ripped off. God's going to get it done. He don't have to have us. He'll use somebody else. We want to be the ones who are responding. And here's Peter's heart, guys. Here it is. It begins with with unbelief. Right? Oh, we didn't catch no no fish. But what? Unbelief and obedience. I'm not sure this is going to work, but that reminds me of the guy who brought his son to Jesus. You guys remember, right? And he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal my son. And Jesus said, well, if you believe. So what did the father say? Lord, I believe what? Help my unbelief. So what's, what's Peter saying when he says, ah, oh, this is a waste of time, but I'll go. I got enough faith. Jesus said, you have faith of a mustard seed. What would happen? You can move mountains. So faith of a mustard seed is enough faith to say, I'll go. I'll obey. I'll move. I'll listen. I'll talk. I'll share. And the next thing we see he moves into confession. He moves into confession saying, man, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And he who, and all who are with him are astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Don't be afraid. And Jesus is saying the same thing to us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We start in that little, that little place of unbelief coupled with obedience. If we can start there, in that little faith, that little piece of a mustard seed, and we can move and see God work, and it's going to bring us to a place of confession where we're like, Lord, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I don't see things right. God, you've got to help me. You've got to open my eyes to those opportunities. The next thing Jesus is going to say to us, is don't be afraid. Every one of us got an opportunity to function every day in one of two ways, fear or faith. You get to pick which one it's going to be. I can live out my day in fear, I can live out my day in faith. But one of those things is what's going to be. Jesus is calling them, live it by faith. Look what was able to happen, Simon, when you just had a little. What happens when you have a lot? What's God able to do? What will God work in? How will God change? How will God move in people's lives when we have that kind of an attitude, when we move away from fear and we stand in faith? And literally, when he, what he's saying to Peter is, stop being afraid, Peter. Stop it. It means Peter was pretty constantly afraid. The big dude, the big guy, everybody, when, everywhere he went, someone would come up to him and say, oh, you're the big guy. That was the guy who was afraid. The loud guy. That's the guy who was afraid. The guy swinging the sword. That's the guy who was afraid. The guy who wasn't afraid stood up on Pentecost and gave a message about Jesus. And hearts changed and lives turned. And little by little the world started to get upside right. Now we find ourselves in a place where the world's a little upside down still. And God's people have been apathetic, and God's people have been silent, and God's people have been out of the game, and God's people have been looking for deliverance a hundred different ways. But one thing God's people ain't been doing is occupying until He comes. And we say, ah, I can't do it this way, or I can't do it that way, or it can't be like this, or it can't be like that. And so we stand in disobedience and unbelief. And God's calling us to repent of that. Just takes a little. Just takes a little. The willingness 
to obey, to do what Jesus is calling, to stop being afraid. Because it moves into verse 6, and in verse 6 this is what happens. A recommitment to the Lord. I think Luke 5 is the last time they're called. I don't know if I can prove it. Come to coffee tomorrow and we'll see. But I think it's the last time. This is the time when they forsake it all. When they walk away from the biggest catch they ever had. Well, that don't make any sense. Or they walk away from the best the year they made the most money ever and they decide they're going to do something different to be available. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Or any number of a bazillion things. In like 1990, I was making more money than I've ever made in my life. And I had it all. New cars, new house, new boats. Well, semi-new boats. Okay, working boats. <laughs> uh, at least one of them was working boat. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I was in a parking lot going to work, and, and God had been trying to get a hold of me for a while. I'd been running, uh, you know, whatever, just doing my thing. A muck was a good word. And God said, I, I, you know, I don't know how to explain it to you. I was in the parking lot and God said something like January 7th. And I was like, is that when you want me to quit, God? Yeah. I think that's what he's telling me. So I go into the office and I tell the place where I work, hey, um, it was like three, four months away. Hey, I'm, I'm uh, January 7th, I'm done. I just wanted to let you know. Two reasons. I want to let you know and I want to cash out my retirement. Eh? Okay. Takes three months to get that. So let's cash that thing out. Okay. All right. What are you going to do? Don't know yet. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. Probably is. But I just know God's talking to me. I don't know what to tell you. I just know. So three months later, I left, and God opened a door for me to do garage doors for eight bucks an hour. I was making thirty-eight bucks an hour, and I went making eight. Great financial decision for the family. <laughs> oh, just everybody was so stoked! <laughs> but I look at him and I'd say, "Babe, don't worry. My retirement's coming, and in three months we'll cash. We'll get like twenty grand." 30 grand maybe, and we'll catch up. Okay. So I worked doing doors for ever, seemed like, but it was not that long. Maybe four, five, six months. Eight bucks an hour, eight bucks an hour, eight bucks an hour. But after three months, my retirement check didn't come. So I called. Hey, dude, what's going on? Oh, yeah, don't worry, it's coming. You guys ever heard this? Checks in the mail? Yeah, it was something like that. So, we keep going, but we're starting to get further behind. It's not looking like a good financial decision. Next thing I know, the, the job for exactly what I did opens up at the city of Palm Springs, so I get a city job. But what happens at the city job is I'm off every day at 4 o'clock, and I can start going to Bible college. I can start serving at the church. A lot of things I can start doing, and I really wanted to do. I really wanted to be a part of those things. So then one day, but the FBI come to my house. You guys ever have an FBI come to your house? I'm, it's a little weird. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to... I was a little uptight to, until I knew they weren't there for me. Yeah, so the FBI come to my house. You remember that, babe? FBI come to the house and they're like, we need to do an interview. Oh, okay. What's going on? Well, the company you worked for, they stole everybody's retirement. And they did it and used mail, so they were trying to get them for mail fraud. And I thought, what, what, uh, okay, how, can we go back to where's my money? <laughs> so we asked him, well, where's, what, what's happening? He said they declared bankruptcy last night, 
Today they reopened with the same uh, initials. Yeah, same initials, just different words. Same building, everything. And so magically, it's just all gone. That's really not looking like a smart decision. Um, uh, boom, boom. Men, after the FBI left, guys in really nice suits and dark sunglasses came and they took my house and they took my cars and they took my stuff. It all went away. Just like that. And we couldn't find no place. We're like, oh, well, now where are we going to live? And Kathy's mom had a house in Yucca Valley where the Bible college was. So we move up to the house in Yucca Valley and we start going to Bible college and finish Bible college and we survive all that. You, you'd be surprised what you can live through. We survived all that. All of that, that God can't work in that. That can't be God's plan. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I just know what happened. Next thing I know, I'm the youth pastor, then I'm assistant pastor, then I'm there for 13 years, then... I get a call if I want to go to Idaho. Hey. And that all started in a parking lot with God saying to me one day, January 7th. Now, I wasn't sure how it was all going to work out. And I was pretty sure I was going to have extra money to fall back on. So that was my plan. Me and Peter had the same idea. Look, okay, I'll put the boat out. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to catch anything, but I got a plan B. So God burned plan B up. But what I learned in that, what I learned is that, man, God can do it. God can do abundantly above all we ask or imagine. Man, God, I, I mean, I don't even know. I, there's some things in my life I think, I, I look back and I go, I wonder why that? I wonder why that? And I wonder why when we come to Idaho, we could never sell a house in California. I still got a house in California. Thank God we have renters in it. If, the, if that ever changes, I don't know what we'll do. But we have renters in there, and it's worked out for nine years. So, hey, why not another nine or ten? <clears throat> Lord, why hasn't this sold? Why isn't this gone? I wonder what God's doing there. I don't know, but I learned enough to say, God's got a plan with it. He's going to do something. Maybe that's going to work out to provide a, a need for Kathy and I later on when we're older. I don't know. I just know I'm not afraid no more. I'm not worried about that stuff anymore. Now I know that God is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. And as a result, I want to do what they did. So when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And what that means is, it doesn't mean, okay, well, I guess i got to sell everything I have and follow Jesus. Well, if God's telling you to do that, don't let me stop you. But what it means is, I'm not going to be owned by all that. I'm not owned by everything. I want to be used by the Lord. I want, to, I want to be used by Him to meet needs in other people. I want to be used by Him to tell my story. I think it's exciting that today, I'm sorry, I was supposed to end 15 minutes early today and I didn't do it. Today, I, they're going to meet back there and everybody's going to start telling their God story. And they're going to write a book. And that book's going to get published and somebody's going to read it. And one of your stories is going to change somebody's life. And they're going to get saved. And they're going to do amazing things. And you're going to get to heaven. And God's going to have all this stuff to tell you about this great job you did. And you're going to be going, what did I do? What did I do? You were willing to tell your story. And God used it. Because God is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. All we have to be willing to do is let go of all the stuff we're holding on to so tight. Just let go of it. Even let go a little. And follow Him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the call of the disciples. We thank you for the call that you have on our lives. And I thank you for the challenge that you lay out before us in your word. The challenge that says, if you don't think I can do this, will you still obey? If, if, you, if you think this is a bad idea, will you still go?
If you think they won't listen, will you still tell them? Because God is saying, I am bigger than all of that. Stop being afraid. Walk in faith. Watch what God is able to do. Because a little boy's lunch, he's going to feed 5,000 people. What happens if you gave that lunch? What happens if tomorrow morning you wake up and you say, Lord, I'm going to give you this. It's a little bit, but I'm going to give you this. A little bit. Even in the midst of a little unbelief with obedience can bring a great harvest. Can lead us to a place of repentance where we then are able to say, you know what, I'm letting go of it all. What you give me, I'll have. What you take, I'll let go. But I want to be first and foremost following you. Follow you. Where you lead me, I want to go. I want men and women around me to know that I am first and foremost a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm following Him first. Not my checkbook. I'm following Him first. Not what provisions I think I need or I don't need. I want to follow Him first. I want to know where He leads. I want to know where He guides. I want to... I just want to look up and see him. I want to pay attention to the street signs because Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, but that's the road of death. So I want to be on the road of life. And that's the road Jesus is on, and I want to follow him. So Jesus said, put my word in your heart, and it'll act as headlights for your eyes, and it'll help you walk a straight path. So I'm going to put his word in. I'm going to live his word. I'm going to know his word. Because I want to see all that God can do in the heart of a man willing to surrender it all. It's all yours. If you want it, it's all yours. Use it, God, to bring men and women, the lost, the people that we don't know where they're at. They're just lost. They, they're falling through the cracks. Nobody cares God, use the stuff we have. Use the things we are about. Use the stuff we're into to bring the word from a God across the universe to the heart of someone who feels like nobody cares. Bring the word to them that say, I love you enough to cross infinity for you. I love you enough to make a way. I love you enough to show you the way. I love you enough to call you to walk the way. May we be willing to repent, change the direction that we are walking, and follow you, God, with all our heart. And we give you the praise and the glory for what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.